Welcome to the People, Passion, and Purpose podcast, where you will hear from creative small business owners in the trenches every single day, talking story, talking lessons, talking failures, talking truth. I'm your host, Nina L. Kovner. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I am so fucking excited to have Jay Ladner on the podcast. Jay is a salon owner, artist, educator, brand creator, influencer, leader, husband, dad, and all-around badass unicorn. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Nina. I'm so happy to be here on your podcast. It's so badass. So thank you for having me. (laughs) I have like a million things I want to ask. So let's just dive right in. Of course, I'm going to go deep right off the bat. What does purpose mean to you? Purpose means a lot of things, but I feel like purpose for all of us really needs to define what we want to walk our truth with. Right. Mm. So living our truth out loud. And that's our purpose when you're authentically living your truth and understanding your mission behind that. Like I am a educator. I am an influencer. I am a salon owner. I'm a leader. So that's my purpose. And it didn't just start when I opened my doors in 2013. I really had this characteristic ever since I was little. Right. So like I would always like, find that my dad would always say, you know, trust that individual, that strong, vocal, just loves with all your heart, never lose that. That's my purpose. And I feel like without a purpose, we don't have a roadmap. And without a roadmap, you'll never be successful. Oh, yeah, that roadmap. It is sometimes, you know, we get lost too. I know that, you know, when we get Um, when our alignment with purpose gets thrown off, it is, we don't know where to go. We kind of go in circles. So I love, I love how you said that. How long have you been a hairdresser and, and, and what brought you to the salon business? So I have been in a legal hairdresser (laughs) for 10 years. Um, I grew up performing and I worked at Bush Gardens and I would always do when I was younger, um, in my, when I was 18 to 20 and I would do hair or I would make wigs in the costume shop for extra money at Bush Gardens, the theme park. I love the, yeah, I know so, Bush Gardens. Yes. That's so awesome. Yes. So I would do that. And then when I met my husband, I was just like, I had no really focus. And I always did my friend's hair in at his house. And he was like, Jay, like, you're so amazing already. Like, I would cut hair like blind cut, I knew elevation, like everything fell to one spot. I would never layer any, anybody because (laughs) I just didn't know, but I would always like still do hair before. And he was like, go to Paul Mitchell. And I was like, cause you're always talking about it. Now's the time just do it. And I was like, you know what? Here we go. And that moment in Tampa, Florida, when I walked through those doors, it changed my life forever. And I just fell at home. And but I always say, like, when a guest or Nina, you say, like, how long have you been doing hair? And I say, legally for 10 years (laughs) for a while now. (laughs) Okay, wait a minute. Okay, so this wasn't on my planned list of questions, (laughs) but I I need to hear more about this performer at Bush Gardens. What 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 were you performing? So I was a costume character. 
Oh my God. And I did, um, I was a dancer in Dumfrey the Dragon. Listen, this <laughs> costume was six five. They had to, I, they had to special make, I had to wear football. That's the only time I suited up as a football player. was in <laughs> <laughs> And I would dance for that. I did special events for them. Um, I actually got my GED because um, I was kicked out at 16 and just had a hustle from a young age. And I got my GED and audition. Like I was a good dancer. I was a great performer. I mean, clearly if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I'm twirling, I'm dancing. If you've been in a class, uh -huh. it's my thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at Bridge Gardens, I performed for them. I used to make wigs for them when I had no clue what I was doing. Um, had a great mentor there. Yeah. So I was That's a performer. That's so cool. I love, you know, we don't always hear those, like those beginning stories, you know, and, and I, it does tell me a lot about you and it totally makes sense that you were a performer before you went to beauty school. I was a school bus driver before I went to beauty school. So I don't know what that says about my story. I'm, like I'm, I'm mortified like actually, because I like your story way better. <laughs> oh, um, it was so much fun. <laughs> Oh my, God. oh, my God. Okay. So, okay. So you, you mentioned your husband, Vince, yeah. who we adore. And uh, Vince is a former military um, yes, he is. person. 22 years active duty. Thank you, Vince, for your service. We absolutely yes. fucking love you. And Vince yes. is also your business partner, yes, uh, which we want to mention. However... Because you all have been together so long, I can imagine it was very troubling to not be able to publicly be with your husband. You yes. want to you want to share a little bit about that? Because I think it's important for all of us to remember that LGBTQ rights are, are something that we are continually fighting for. And you have a firsthand story and struggle. Yeah. So and I'm going to get through this with conviction conviction and try not to cry because it's very what I had to go through with Vince and seeing his struggle. Um, so let's start from the beginning. So I came out at 16. I've always been out. I've always lived out loud. I never apologized for who I was. And when I met Vince, it was a random night in Tampa, Florida in a bar and I was like so single and I was like <laughs> not about boys at the moment. And he walked in and he took my breath away from the moment Aww. I saw him. So as we started dating, um, I was like, oh, wait, you're in the military. I didn't really realize the truth he was living and how I had to be a secret. Like we could not go to dinner together. In Tampa, we would have to go to Orlando an hour away. Um, when we were out, we could not for one second, like, look over at each other like we're in love. Like, it was all behind doors. And we're dads. Ben's had a two and a four-year-old when I met him. And I was 21. So I was like a party animal to a dad, right? So, like, mm. I fully signed on to be his life partner. And... It was really rough for us because he had to move to Minot, North Dakota. And thankful, he was a chief master sergeant and I was going and he kind of signed me up as the nanny when we moved there wow. to be like 
safe way. Um, but I still had no rights. Um, so when we moved up there, it was like really awkward. I lived on base with him. Military spouses are very nosy. It's just what it is. It's like the <laughs> lifestyle. Everyone's moving around. You. That's why I know how to create raving fans super quick is because of moving like all over the place in the U.S. And like you create friends and clients quick because mm. that's, that's their lifestyle. So Vince and I had to live in secret. It was very stressful. I got caught out a couple times. Because it's don't ask, don't tell. Right. So you don't ask and you do not tell. And if they do expect it, you're kicked out. Like, it's that serious. So, and Vince was a chief master sergeant. He was the top of his career. That's the highest you can get on the enlisted side. Um, so it was really rough for me to be back in the closet, so to say. Like, I had to not live authentically with the man I loved. And it Vince because he is a leader and he is a mentor and the military is all about family right mm-hmm. but our family doesn't matter right and he was looking at these young airmen making up these lies about being married to a woman and you know like why he was a single dad and like he couldn't live his truth so fast forward to 2011 we got married in New York City the day Don't Ask, Don't Tell ended at oh. 8 o'clock in the morning. He was in his blues with all his awards on his. Oh, he looks so handsome. And that is sorry, I'm getting a little. So am I. <laughs> moment, you know, when he said, I do. It was like this burden was lifted off of him. Yeah. And he could finally share who he was. And from that moment, we decided together and declared that we would fight for the younger airmen who were going to come after us, that we were going to create waves and be loud and just show us who we are and thankful for Vince's um, rank that no one could disrespect him or me. It's a thing. We never disrespect. So we took that so strong in our power to, you know, pave the way for the next generation of airmen to live authentically, have, you know, rights and, just let them know they're not alone and that someone that they look up to has their back and that, right. you know, and it, it shook souls. Listen, uh, two weeks later, after we got married, Vince had to go every six weeks to these special events for like airmen who go through the special training and it's like a ceremony and they take it very huge. And he, he was the group superintendent of the med group. So he had to sit at the head table so it was my first time ever experiencing a military event. And you know what they said for the first time ever? They introduced the whole head table. And they said, Chief Ladner and his husband, Joshua. Oh, my God. It was so electric. And the young airman who was able to say it for the first time ever was so proud and he was 
like not gay. Like he's a straight boy. And he just was so pumped. And like the whole room was so respectful, of course. Yeah. But all the blackberries underneath the tables were blown <laughs> up. And they were like, it went all the way up to um, the White House. And they were like, yes, we know of the lenders. Oh my <laughs> God. So, I mean, when I say we did not play when it came to sharing our love so that it was easier for the next generation of airmen to live a better life and sharing who they were, we were not playing two weeks after. Yeah, it was just in seeing Vince living his best life and like sharing that. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy that I was a part of that. Wow, I should have probably saved this discussion for the end because um, I'm um, okay. Wow. Well, wow. I never realized like it's, it's been years, right? right? I never realized until I talk about it, how still to this day, that feeling is so real. Yeah. And so powerful and powerful and such a great reminder that, I mean, that was 2011. That wasn't very long ago. Oh, not at all. You know, and and obviously we're, we're still fighting and in, in, in particular at this very moment for trans rights. And so it's like the fight never ends. And I, I just want to, you know, as we Passion Squared share and I personally have been an advocate for, you know, my whole life as a member of the LGBTQ community, right. I just have to continually remind people that this fight is not over. And it is absolutely um, there are millions of stories just like yours. And I, I just am so grateful that you guys had the courage and the ability and the means um, to to step into that. And and you continue to fight. I'm just so grateful for voices like yours and and all the voices. OK, so let's let's. So now you have this business part. <laughs> partner. Um, And so let's talk about the salon. Let's talk about um, why did you open a salon? And when did you open a salon? Okay, let's dive deep right into this. So um, I actually, I have to give a shout out to my first mentor ever in Tampa, Florida, Alan Kemp of Images Hair Salon, South Tampa. He um, was my learning leader at Paul Mitchell, the school Tampa. Mm. And he saw something in me and from day one, right out of the gate of school, he was like, you are a leader and you may not believe me right now because you're brand new in this industry, but I want to show you the way. So he literally handed me the keys. Wow. And I was like, I, I mean, it was the perfect way to learn super quick, make very horrible decisions because I had no <laughs> idea yeah. what I was doing. And I still am working it out. You know of what course. I mean? Right. So fast forward, I managed salons for about five years. Um, and when I moved to Dayton, Ohio, because that's where Vince was stationed, I was just walking around, like checking out salons and I'm not from the Midwest and um, it just wasn't my flavor. And I was almost ready to go on my own. So I always say like, when you're almost ready, like jump, just like get into it. And we'll get into another area of what you need to do after you jump um, to be successful. So I can help anyone out there not go through things that I went through. But 
2013, after living in Dayton, Ohio, for two months, I opened the doors of Solange Ladner, joined the hair journey, and it was electric. It was in a small little space, 700 square feet. It was manageable for me to do five guests a week. I could do it on my own. Um, it was a beautiful space. The kids were a part of it. The city of Dayton was like, who are the Ladners? Where are they coming from? Why is this guy walking around with metallic pants and platforms on all over the city? <laughs> like, who? I remember this. I remember yes. this. Yeah. So I, it was two months after we lived here and we just, I started giving back to the community because that's very important to the culture in Dayton. I wanted them to know that I wanted to be a part of their their city rather than take their money. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to give that right away. Um, So we gave, um, we started off doing a benefit for the AIDS resource center here in Dayton um, for the LGBTQ center. And it was like really cool. I started having the news channels contact me after like three months of being here. Um, It, I mean, I hit the ground running. Um, social media really wasn't like that pop in, but I still knew the importance of it. So I was like all over social media, tagging everything I could. Um, I was out in the bars. I was out in restaurants. I was connecting with other business owners. And a year into us being open, we expanded into a 4,000 square foot space. Wow. And- same building and we grew our team slowly but surely and we've been open for five years now that is unbelievable you know what i i love tons of of course of this story but i love that you started in a manageable space you said i i started in that 700 square foot space that if i only did x amount of clients a week i'd be fine i think one of the biggest challenges i've seen over the decades that i've been in um, the beauty industry in particular, but I mean, this is small business in general, is uh, biting off more than you can chew. And I don't mean that in a like, not being supportive and yay, yay, everybody. Oh, but the problem, as you know, one of the biggest problems salon owners get into is is they can't manage their overhead. And it's fucking sucks. It's yes. the worst. And I will say having my business partner, husband, best friend, dad, fellow dad, Vince Ladner on my team. I could not be where I am today without him. And we literally painted the walls ourselves. We built the stations. We hung the lights. Like we cut costs at every single corner we could. We realized, okay, this is how many guests we need to do a week. Um, What does this look like? And the one thing that I share the most on my Instagram is being consistent and showing up Mm. and not like, don't stop, get it, get it. And it's literally, you have to pound the pavement. No one's going to do it for you. And you have to show up with relentless dedication Mm -hmm. for your brand, your craft and have a roadmap. You need to roadmap and know what is realistic because listen, I'm over the top. I'm very gaudy. I wanted it to be a 10,000 square foot space, but maybe (laughs) 
that's not reality. You feel me? So I'm like, let's do this 700 square foot space feel like a 10,000 square foot space. Yes, exactly. Exactly. When I first started taking guests, we had two mirrors and I had a bar stool. Wow. What guests were sitting in because our chairs were late. But I said, because Dayton, Ohio said I couldn't do it any week. So I did it in seven. <laughs> I opened the salon. Um, and I love that pressure. I love someone telling me I can't do it. So because it makes me hustle harder. Um, and our chairs were late. So I was like, hi. <laughs> Hi, this is our salon chair today. They were like, oh, this is fun, right? So you make it fun. And the guests, our investors, get like, that's what really blew us up is they were a part of a startup. And they were always reminded of how grateful we were for their support because without them, we are nothing. Absolutely. And, And I feel like when we forget that, we lose it all. So it's just having that second to just take a deep breath and look at your investors. Those guests are your investors and say, thank you. Thank you. investors. To buy two more mirrors and two more chairs. I love it. Right. And then you just slowly grow and you show up in the days that you don't want to show up. You still show up. Yep. Pop it off at that door and you snatch the wigs and slay the gigs. <laughs> I love how you I love how you talked about consistency because I you and I have been connected for quite a while on the social web. Yes. And I don't even know for how long, but I feel like a really long time. Yeah. Um at least it seems like since the beginning of Passion Squared, which was 2012. Um, but you've been super consistent. You know, you show up every day. Yes, even when it's very rough. And it's very challenging. And I feel like it has only made me a better leader, a better husband, a better brother, a dad, a human. Like, I just feel like going through the good and the ugly side of beauty has just built me to be able to have credibility when I teach nationally. Yeah. You know, we have a story. Yeah, it's. It's social proof, right? It's social proof. You're not regurgitating something you read in a book. Um, You're actually living it, which is awesome. So before I have have one more kind of area I want to talk about, but before we move kind of off of the salon, um, if you could do it all over again, what are some of like the gut-wrenching lessons that you've learned being a salon owner that you would want others to maybe be aware of before they dip their toe? Oh, yes. I have a couple. Um, <laughs> I have a book worth, but we'll just go into like maybe my top three systems. What is your brand purpose? What is your brand promise? What do you want your brand to be seen on the inside and the outside? What are those standards that mean so much to you as a owner and a stylist? that will hold your team accountable. So I didn't really have systems. I built them along the way. Um, When I started, it was one page. And now I have a 60-page handbook. (laughs) I Like five years in. So I would really want people to understand the importance of protection of your business and to put in the work and not be lazy to define what is important to your brand and how 
your employees should show up and perform. Um, Another area would be being more consistent on holding my team accountable. Mm. So when something in the handbook or our systems or our values were not represented in a positive light, handling that the moment it happened. And when you're not consistent in leading your team towards the future and with a clear vision, you will always run into discoveries. So I think handling those discoveries that happen with your core values right away, right from the jump. I love that. My awesome friend, Carrie Davis, who is um, an incredibly successful owner of three salons um, in San Diego, um, who I've known, I've known her since she opened her first salon. I, I love how she she's a big culture advocate. And she says, either you create your own culture or your culture will be created for you. You choose. Exactly. And that's the thing that I think that, you know, as you as you pointed out, it, you know, because <laughs> I at Passion Squared, we work with creative small business owners. Yeah. And of course, yeah. I've been in marketing for a very long time and, and I understand this stuff. And, you know, it's like I, I get it. I get it. Uh, you know, it could be a hairdresser or it could be a tattoo artist or it could be a lash artist or an esthetician or whatever decides, oh, I'm going to open my own business. Let me get a logo. Let me get an Instagram page. And and then they're off. And I'm all, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. A cool logo is not a brand. That's not a brand. That's not a brand. And, and brand defines culture and culture defines brand. So it's like without that upfront work, you going back to what you mentioned earlier, the roadmap, how can you create a roadmap? when you have no clarity of purpose. And so I'm so glad that that you brought that up. I mean, it's huge. I don't know how people do anything, make decisions, anything without that stuff. Yes, I have. I'm very um, unaware of how people could ever expect to have longevity in this industry without putting in the work and just protecting your brand. And it will be so much easier for you to hold people accountable yeah. and, and also find people by. you're, you know, you're recruiting to the, the vision and the culture. So, you know, as you know, if you have people that aren't aligned with your culture and haven't bought in, then that's where all the trouble comes in. Right. And I was just talking with my team the other day and I was like, listen, I know that sometimes y'all may feel like I'm constantly reminding, but that's my purpose. That's my job for you as a salon or that's what I signed up for is to give you standards and give you structure. When you think about a little kid, right? When they don't have structure, when they don't have a, a set bedtime, if they don't eat at the same time every single day or your dog, right? Like they have systems, they have structure there. You walk through life more easy, breezy, beautiful, Right. You have a system. There's like a clear roadmap. And then when those when that structure goes away, everything else falls apart. I think how it is. Yeah. I mean, I think we all in some way, shape or form are seeking some sort of structure. Now, the thing that's important to remember, as you know, is that not all of us desire the same structure 
That's why in the salon industry in particular, we have employee-based salons and we have lease-based salons because some people don't want an employee-based structure. Um, they're not looking for that leadership. They want their entrepreneurs, right? They want to lead themselves. And so it's very interesting. It's very interesting. But yes, we all need some sort of structure, whether it's created for us or something that we choose to create ourselves. I love that. Okay, let's jump to a hot topic um, that I want to talk about, and that's influencer marketing. Oh, baby. So, so, yeah. So, hi. (laughs) Um, Hi, influencer. Uh, I know some people uh, that maybe are just getting to know you on the web um, think that you are you just woke up one day as an influencer. But as we discussed earlier, I've been watching you show up consistently for several years, creating content um, and engaging with the community. So. Why is being an influencer important to you? Why are why did you accept that title, which is not always looked at these days as an awesome title to have? I am an influencer, a beauty influencer for every single stylist showing up in big cities and small cities around the world who want to have a voice and want to have amazing products and want to just thrive and feel like they're not alone. And that is my biggest like viewpoint as the beauty influencer is to make sure no stylist is left behind and that we all know that without supporting each other, our industry will not get to where we need it to be. Um, so inclusion and just letting them know the truth about my relationships with brands um, being authentic and truthful and just making, and literally I feel so honored that so many stylists trust me with their career. And I message every single person back. I even get on FaceTime with them because they are so badass. They are literally so hungry and they want to feel like they're important and they are. And if I can do that, um, and we've all experienced an influencer, and I'm going to put it in quotations on this way of when you meet them in person, they're not the nicest person at Mm. all. So I've made a vow that I'm going to be authentically me. You're going to hear me say, yo, Instagram was good. Screaming at you at seven o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Me scrolling around and helping you elevate to the next level. So I think my why I chose is to hold brands accountable to deliver better products for the stylist behind the chair. Wow. I like how I like how you flipped that script. But it's true. I mean, look, I mean, anyone that studied the social and digital revolution knows that um, that we now have a more empowered workforce. We now have, you know, the marketing departments of brands are actually the people right in the trenches like you and I. And, you know, we tell the stories now. Um, not not the brands. We control the narrative, not the brands. And it's very interesting how you, you brought up the word trust and trust is such an, an, an incredibly important thing to me and, and is something that I've been concerned about 
really ever since I got, you know, again, started Passion Squared or all around social and digital. And, you know, we, we know there's a lot of influencers that continue to not disclose their relationships. And not only are they breaking the rules in terms of service of the platforms, they're risking trust, the trust of their communities that they built. How do you navigate that? Like, What's that about? Why would someone be afraid to disclose that they're being paid to do what they love? I am not sure because I don't walk that truth. Um, My truth is just making sure they know my relationships with the brands. And I just did a post recently um, before the New Year hit and it was paid but never bought. Mm. And I want people to know that, yes, I am an oligo pro sponsored artist. Like they pay me, they send me product, they sponsor my hair tour that is launching in a week. And, but I authentically think they are the best of the best lighteners on the beauty market right now. So I am paid by them. We do have a relationship, but I'm not bought. There's a difference. I love that. I feel like why some influencers do not say anything about their relationships because they're bought they're collecting checks they have 25 brands they're they're they don't have loyalty to the product they're allowing companies just to drop a check to them and i feel like right now as a beauty influencer i will absolutely not share a brand who one does not lead with love, have stylists as their in their best interest, right? And produce mediocre product. I right. absolutely won't. I am forcing them and I'm being vocal about it to produce better products. And I will never be bought. So I love that. And and you know, I think that for some, you know, I I I always believe that people always want to do the right thing. And I think that some of the reason that some influencers are struggling is they just aren't educated. They just don't understand um, either the rules, you know, the FTC rules or the terms of service for Instagram or terms of service for Facebook. And I know at Passion Squared, of course, we, we educate and, you know, share that information with our community and our A schoolers and S schoolers. (laughs) Yeah. I want everyone to know this is that I, Nina is my mentor. Like Mm. I invest my brand into your brand because you have our back. You're always clued in on what's to come to make sure that we're protected. And I want to thank you so much for that. And I learned from our one-on-one coaching moments and in a school and a school of understanding the importance of trust and value and my purpose and my promise. And Mm. you've already spoke on the rules of engagement when it comes to being a brand influencer um, and a beauty influencer. So I want to thank you so much for giving me that guidance and knowledge, but. Well, I mean, thank you. I fucking love you. Uh, but I do think, I do think that this is something that, that people aren't doing on purpose. I really believe that it's more just a lack of understanding. Um, and, and of course, I'm hopeful that, you know, that will continue to change because it goes back to trust and without trust, 
We have nothing in business and in life, online and off. And it's, it, it's, it's just not worth breaking that trust. Okay. Oh my gosh. I, we could talk for fucking hours. Let at work. I'm going to just scooch over into, do you have a favorite quote? Cause you know me, I just am so quote inspired. Yes. So I have, um, I'm going to share two quotes that, um, move and shake my soul daily. I remind myself constantly that, so there's three of them. (laughs) I fucking love you. Sorry. There's three. Talk is cheap. It takes money to buy land. Mm. Be careful what you're promised. Make sure that you're doing your research and that you're not just taking the first anything, right? With a lease, with a brand, with a relationship, being an influencer, like talk is cheap, takes money to buy land, baby. Do your research, right? Then we'll move on to a closed mouth never gets fed and no one knows who you are unless you tell them. And that's how I got to where I am in this beauty industry. In 2013, I banged on beauty launch pad magazines twitter account honey and i was like i have a voice you need to share me i am a rebel with a beauty cause and they would have never known who i was unless i told them so no one knows who you are unless you tell them right and you just a closed mouth never gets fed so if you want it speak up and i've been told no Plenty of times. It didn't stop me, but this is why. When someone would tell me no to an opportunity, I would ask them, well, let me know why you're saying no. So I can Mm. come back correct. Right? But I still had my voice out there. So anyone out there, everyone out there, a closed mouth never gets fed. And no one knows who you are unless you tell them. So don't stop. Get it. Get it. Like, You are magic, baby, and you can have anything that you want in this industry. And don't be afraid. Move through the fear. Open that mouth. Are you hungry? Are you starving? Like, let's get it. I love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Where can we find you on the Internet? You can find me on Instagram at it's Mr. J. Ladner. You can also reach me on jladner.com. Um, there's a little contact info. It goes right to my email. And on Instagram, if you're woke, you will see that my cell phone number is right there on my main page. You can get there with my email or slide into my DMs. I love it. Jay, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's been such a fucking joy to watch you <laughs> these last, I guess, eight eight years. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. I, I feel that this year is the year of the stylist taking back their chairs. And I'm so happy that I get to have a say in it and to lead a tribe full of badass people. Thank you so much, Nina, for always being the most magical mentor for me and all of us in this industry. I feel honored that I got to be on your podcast today. Oh, I love you so much. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. To learn more about Passion Squared, you can visit us at passionsquared.net. You can find us on the gram and on Facebook at Passion Squared. And be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. We're so grateful. Thank you so much for joining us. Have an awesome day, guys. Love you.